Oh man, well thank you for being here for week two of a series that we've entitled No Offense. It's like how to live your life unoffendable, okay? How to live it unoffendable. One of the things I promised last week though was that I was going to do something somewhere in these four weeks that was going to be offensive to you. Um, I don't know when it's going to happen. It could be today, right? But somewhere in, in this time is probably going to offend you. Just know this, when it happens, right, even if I didn't plan it, it was strategic to help you live a life that's unoffendable. And that's how much I love you, all right? And so let's play a little game here today. Let's have some fun. Everybody ready to have some fun here today? All right, ready? Okay, um, let's be a little on the sarcastic side for a moment. But, but also a little on the truthful side. But we'll use some sarcasm to help us identify some truth. Because let's just admit it. You happen to be the most right person you know on planet Earth. <laughs> All right, let's just admit it. The decisions you make are always right. The, 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 the way that you decide to drive to some place is the right way to drive there. It doesn't matter that there's 30 other ways to get there. Your way is the right way right? Where you want to go to eat is the right place to go to eat. What you order off of the menu is the right thing. And when someone else goes, oh man, I didn't really like it that much. You said, I told you, right? What you think is right and what you do you think is right. Everything you think about yourself and what you do is the right thing. One of the things I also know about you all right, is this, because I know you really well. I know that you think that you are much smarter, not just smarter, much smarter than the average person that lives on earth. I know this, all right? I know. And look, it's hard to be right all the time, you know? Isn't it hard to be right all the time? I mean, come on. I know. I understand. It's a heavy responsibility to carry to be right all the time. I mean, come on, man. Like, jump into my shoes for a little bit, all right? It's hard to be right all the time. Let's be honest, though. You've probably never said these things out loud, okay? You've laughed about them like, <laughs> this is not me, right? I get that. Like, I, you've never said it maybe out loud. Some of you have, actually. But most of you have never said it out loud, but you've thought it. You've definitely thought it. Can we just be truthful right now? How many of you, just with a raise of hands, have thought to yourself, like, I, I'm the most right person that I've ever met on planet Earth, or that I am smarter than the average person on Earth? Come on, like, just put your hand up if you ever thought that. And, and look, look, if the person next to you thinks that way, put your hand up for them just right now. <laughs> just put your hand up for them right now. Go ahead, right? I mean, you're not putting your hand up for yourself. You're putting your hand up for them. All right, are we still, are we okay? We're just being sarcastic here for a moment, all right? Like you thought, you thought these things. Or maybe you've even said these things. Like at a coffee shop when you're, you're meeting with friends or whatever. You said, if I was the president of the United States, we wouldn't be having these kinds of problems. You've said things like that. Smartest person you've ever met. Smarter than the average person. When you're driving down the road, you're like, what a jerk. I can't believe the way that guy's driving. If I was a police officer, I would pull that guy over and take his license away. Right, because the way you drive is the right way to drive. When you've been at church before and you've looked and you've seen a family with their kids and their kids are out of control and you said, man, you look at those family, look over there, those kids are out of control. Our kids would never act that way. <laughs> or you've been at work and you said quietly to another employee, right, look, if I was the boss, I'm gonna tell you right now, we wouldn't have these problems. I would, I would fix this place, this place would be amazing because all of my decisions are the right decisions, 
Basically what you've said is this, if, if, people, if people only thought like you, this world would be a perfect place, right? More people just thought like you, they acted like you, they behaved like you, they voted like you. Ooh, if people just voted like you. Now I stepped on a nerve, I can feel it right now. If people just voted like you, this world would be a perfect place, right? But here's the problem, this world's not full of people just like you. In fact, it's worse than that. This world's full of those people. You know those people? Those people that don't vote like you? Those people that don't drive like you? Those people that don't cut their grass like you want your grass cut? They're your neighbors? Those people whose trash can falls over in the wind and they don't pick it up? Those people? Am I talking personal experiences here? Those people who keep posting about everything about their life and you don't care. Those people, you know the people I'm talking about, those, those dumb people, those stupid people. Because you're smarter than the average person. Right? Those dumb people with those dumb ideas and stupid thoughts. Like, what are those people, what are they doing on social media anyways? Someone take their cell phone from them. Please. You know those people? Those people are like your family members that you got to deal with over the holidays, those people. Or, or that guy who works in the office next door who keeps spouting off of his thoughts or her thoughts, those people. You know, those people, that, that politician from that other state, those people. I can't even believe those people voted that person in. I can't believe that. And I was going to make a joke about California, but we got people from California here, so I can't even do that. Those people from that competitive business that's down the street or across the road, across town, right? Those people, I mean, those people, you know why they're so offensive? Because those people think they're right in everything they do. That's why they're so offensive. If they only knew my right. But those people are offensive because they think they're right in everything they do, but we all know they're dumb. They're wrong. You're better, you're right. All right, enough of that. With all the sarcasm set aside, I think the scariest thought in this whole series, all four weeks, dealing with this, no offense. Hey, tell them we're having service right now. They should come on down. All right. Um, no, seriously, just let them know. Pastor Jeff said, come on down, hang out with us. All right. Um, the, the scariest thought, guys, I'm not, I'm not even messing around with you. The scariest thought in this whole series is this. What if, just what if, those people are you? That's a scary thought. What if those people are actually you sitting here right now? What if you're the one offending others? What if you're the one they're trying to avoid? What if you're the one they're hoping not to see this Thanksgiving. What if you and me are those people? I know this, that Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says something to us as those people. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Now, I know we like to flip Scripture around all the time. We like to twist it. We like to make it feel good to us. And so I just want to make sure that everyone understands that Scripture didn't say Hey, tell those people to do everything they can to live at peace with you. No, it said, no, no, you. Because the only thing you can control 
is you. You, we, you and me are supposed to do all that we can to live at peace with everyone. But here's the problem. The problem is this, that we get caught in what we call the right circle. See, the right circle is it's this. You, you think you're, you're morally superior in something. There's something on this planet that you've got it all figured out. Right? And you're morally superior in it. And you're so staunch and so strong and that you are right and everyone else is wrong that you become judgmental. And you start looking at other people and you can't believe. You can't believe that these people would think differently than you. I mean, come on. Look at the facts written down on paper, people. Please. And you become judgmental towards them until you get to this point where you're easily offended and even angry at them this right circle, and it just keeps feeding itself, and it keeps circulating. That's where we're at as a culture right now. Everyone's caught in the right circle, and everyone thinks they're right, and then they get judgmental to other people, and they get angry and offended at others, and walls go up, and they feel even more morally superior, and they even get more judgmental, and they gather more ammunition, and walls go up until finally they've gathered enough ammunition against one another that there's an all-out battle and an all-out war that happens on social media. It happens across the street with your neighbors. It happens on the campus. It happens inside of your family. It happens between nations. We often, we often see this the most in Christianity, unfortunately, and biblical values. Because, look, as a Christian, as a Christian, a person who follows Christ, you, you believe the truth. And I'm not messing around with that. Like, you believe the truth. Jesus says he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Jesus is the truth. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you believe the truth. You live the truth. And thirdly, you're to be a defender of the truth. These three things we hold dear to our hearts as followers of Jesus Christ, that we're following the truth, we're living the truth, and we're defending the truth. And it, in that way, in that mindset, it's really easy to get tripped up, though. And it's easy to start seeing everyone who doesn't believe and live the truth as those people. And it's easy to start seeing yourself as the morally superior person walking on planet Earth very prideful. It's easy to start becoming judgmental. It's easy to get angry and offended because everyone else isn't believing and living the truth. I just want to ask you a question today. Have you ever found yourself in that spiritual death spiral? Because, I mean, if you're standing face to face with a person that is it thinks completely different than you. You think you're right, they think they're right, and you just keep going at that over and over and over and over again. I mean, how does that really end when you start getting judgmental and you start getting angry and you start getting offended at them and they're judgmental towards you and they're angry and offended at you? How in the world have, have those conversations gone, by the way? How have those conversations gone, Dad, with your son? Did it get better? Did, it, did the whole relationship just instantaneously heal in the midst of all of your offense and anger? I mean, didn't something else have to happen for healing to really take place? I mean, how, how's it going, really, with your neighbor? How, how's it going with that person that, you know, doesn't, doesn't know Christ, isn't following Jesus? I mean, how, how's it going? Are you pushing them farther away or actually drawing them in? See, here's the problem. The problem is this, that if we're not careful, we move beyond just hating what people do to starting hating them. That's a big problem. 
And that's where we become offensive. That's where we become one of those people. And, and here, here's the big, the big problem is that this. Like when you, as a Christian, when you become one of those people to the world, where they don't want to hear you anymore, they, they don't want to entertain your thoughts anymore, they don't want to hear from you anymore, you become one of those people, and then the world, someone in the world who's living outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ has become one of those people to you, then you're offending them, they're offending you, and you're living in this cycle of a spiritual death cycle. You're not getting spiritually healthier. They're not getting spiritually healthier. It's a spiritual death cycle. And we're caught in this left and right all the time. I want to make it clear. We are in a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual battle, but the spiritual battle is crystal clear. It's a spiritual battle with Satan and his demonic authorities. It's with him and him alone. It's not with other people, even if they are those people. It becomes a real problem because Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 makes it really clear. It says, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I want to read the first moment again in the scripture. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting against those people. That's not where our battle is, church. And I think, unfortunately, the battle of the Christian has gotten down to the battle against those people. That is a bad place to be. Because when you forget this principle that we don't battle against people, we're battling against powers and principalities, here's what happens for you. Then the truth of Jesus, which is right, the truth of Jesus is right, amen? Amen. All right. The the truth of Jesus stops becoming hope to the world and starts becoming a weapon. And that's offensive. And that's how you start to become those people. I want you to consider this. Who who, who is the most right person in all of our known history? That's a good answer. Remember, when the pastor asks an open-ended question many times, if you yell out Jesus, you're going to be good, right? So we 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 got one Jesus from the corner over here, all right? Maybe Ogallala did a lot better. I have no idea. Online, probably nailed it. They all probably wrote really quick. Jesus, right? Exclamation mark, right? Yeah, yeah. Like No one was more right, guys, than Jesus. In fact, he was perfect. You might think you're right, <laughs> but only Jesus was actually right. I want you to listen to this. Jesus was the only, the only person to be right in everything that he did, holy in everything that he did, but he was the least judgmental person that walked this earth i want you to know this jesus spoke truth because if jesus didn't speak truth he's not right Right? if jesus doesn't speak truth then he's in sin okay so jesus always spoke truth but what i want you to notice is this who who did he attract around him he attracted what sinners prostitutes tax collectors they flocked around him but yet he spoke truth he was the most right ever And who did he attract around him? More than once in scripture, it tells us that there was this crowd of people around Jesus, many of them being sinners, notorious sinners. The Bible even uses the word at some times. Why? Why can Jesus be so right, but yet be so attractive to a world that is living and thinking just the opposite of what he's teaching? Why and how? Because Jesus didn't make people feel wrong. 
Jesus first made people feel loved. Guys, it's a big difference. I, th- I think we really need to kind of let that soak in for a moment. Our approach to changing the world is incredibly offensive as Christians when we think that if we just make our messaging correct so that people recognize how wrong they are, then they're going to change. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a losing battle. You're never going to win that war. You're never going to win that relationship if all your approach is is to try to help people understand how wrong they are. Really, all you're going to do is keep pushing people farther and farther away. And who have you become in the in the scenario? Those people. Jesus did just the opposite. He first made sure that people knew that they were loved. And by the way, can we just kind of go back for a moment? Can we go back for some of you? I get it. Like there's, there's many listening today that have yet to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. But for those who have, can we just go back? Isn't that the way that Jesus made you feel when you surrendered your life to him? Did you surrender your life to Jesus because of your guilt and shame? Is that how Jesus made you feel? Hey, look, you're a sinner. You're wrong. You're guilty. You're, you're so shameful. You're so dirty. You know what you should do? You should come to me. I mean, is that how you felt? Uh, the enemy was whispering that, right? But Jesus brought conviction. Jesus first made sure that you recognized how much he loved you. That's what Ephesians tells us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the messaging he wants us to get. He wants us to first and foremost understand that, look, yes, you're not living your life according to the way I want you to. Yes, your life's going to end in death. But first and foremost, you need to know, I died for you. I gave my life up for you. I love you. Conviction. You didn't sense condemnation. John 3, 17 tells us this, that Jesus didn't come into the, into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world to save the world, to love the world. It all started with love. That's the way Jesus made you feel, and that's the way Jesus wants you to start leading your life when it comes to others, so that you're not those people. Like you might be right, but that doesn't mean you have to be a jerk about it. You might be right, but you don't have to be rude. Look, listen, you might be right, but many of us are not making a difference. You're right, check this out, you're right, but you're not making a difference. I, I, would, I would venture to say this, Th- that's devastating. It's devastating that here we sit with the truth. We sit here with the right, but we're not making a difference. See, here's what you and me need to understand. People aren't drawn to Jesus because you're right or because you're morally superior. They're just not drawn because of that. And by the way, God, God's not even impressed with that. Jesus one day was speaking to a group of people that thought they were right about everything, about everything. And so he gave them this parable. He gave them this story. Take a look at what he said to this group of people who thought they were right about everything. Luke 18, 9 through 14. says, then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness, they were so confident in it that they what? They scorned everyone else. They attacked everyone else. They were so morally superior that they became judgmental, angry, and offensive towards others. Verse 10, so here's the story Jesus tells them. Okay, guys, listen to this. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other one was a despised tax collector. 
the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like those people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, God. I I give you a tenth of my income. Verse 13, though. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you that this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I, want you, I just want you to know today, God's not impressed with how right you are. He never was, he's not now, and he won't be in the future. He's not impressed with how right you are. I think he's looking for just the opposite. He's looking for humility. He's looking for the person that is going, I'm going to humble myself before you, God. Because in and of myself, I can become one of those people very quick. Right? And God, God's looking for people that are humble, that are full of love, that are full of compassion, full of empathy, full of forgiveness. They're full of grace. What's God really desiring for your life? God doesn't desire for you to become one of those people. Last week we talked a little bit about the woman who was caught in adultery. I want to go back to that story again. I want to look at it from a different angle. How many guys know that you can read the same scripture for like five days in a row and you can look at it from different angles and the Lord can speak to you in multiple different ways? Okay, we're going to practice that together right now. Right? It's not that there aren't other areas of the Bible I could have chose to use. I just sensed when I was putting this together in my own spirit, no, Jeff, I know that you're tempted as a spiritual leader to feel like that you're hitting all the different parts of the Bible right, uh, so that you don't offend anybody. But use the same scripture and help people see that you can look at it from a different perspective. The woman caught in adultery. You know who was right in the story? The Pharisees. The Pharisees were right, right? They caught the woman in adultery, and they, were, they brought her out into the street, and they were going to follow through on the so-called law of Moses. So they were right. You know who was wrong in this story? The woman. Now, uh, let's all balance the story out. All right, To get caught in adultery, there has to be another person. There's a man that's wrong, too. He just isn't included in the story right now. But we all know he's there, right? Are you with me? Okay. So the woman... Here's the woman. She's wrong because she's caught in adultery. She has sinned. Here's what Jesus comes up and he says. Okay, hey guys, look, and all the commotion. You drug me into this. Okay, here's my first words to you. Uh, let's just make sure that the person who cast the first stone to kill this woman uh, has no sin. That's his first words. And then he kneels down and he starts writing in the sand. And we've always said, well, we don't know what he said. I'm going to step out on a limb. Just stepping out on a limb for a moment, okay? I think he kneels down and he writes the sin of those who still have the stones in their hands. That's what I think he does. And one by one, they drop their stones and they walk away. Now look at this. Basically, Jesus was saying to them, hey, you guys have sinned, you guys aren't perfect, so there's no way that you can go about with your moral superior and inflict your judgment and bring the offense against that woman. You can't do that. But I, however, have never sinned. If there was one person in this entire story that had the authority, 
had the qualifications to judge this woman, it was Jesus. And I want you to notice, Jesus didn't judge her. Jesus said these words back to her. You can look it up in John chapter 7 and drifts into John chapter 8 a little bit. Jesus says to her, he goes, woman, where are those who accuse you? Where are those who judge you? Where are those people? Well, they're not there. I just want you to know, I don't accuse you either. Now, go and sin no more. How, how did Jesus make the woman feel? Didn't he make her feel like overwhelmed with gratitude? Holy cow, Jesus, you just saved my life. Like I owe you my life. He made her feel like, man, I got so much gratitude for you, Jesus. Thank you. He made her feel valued. He made her feel loved. He made her feel forgiven in spite of her sin, guys. Why? Because Jesus didn't operate with the right cycle. Jesus modeled for us a whole different cycle. He modeled for us the I'm forgiven cycle. The I'm forgiven cycle is what you and me have experienced. We have this profound gratitude. Why? Because we recognize we were sinners, just like this woman. We recognize we're sinners. We're saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Not by our own doing, not just so that we, can, we can't boast about it, but because we don't have the ability to save ourselves. It's only through the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ and us surrendering to him. There's no good in me, there's no good in you that could save you and or me. So there's this profound gratitude of, God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. And that bleeds right into becoming more accepting. Now, I want you to notice about that word, because sometimes when we hear that word accepting, then people are like, well, that means we're going to condone their sin, right? Like, we're going to say to them, like, if I accept you, then I'm also saying that your actions are okay. And I'm just going to be point blank clear with you. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this, that when you've experienced the profound grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's something inside of you that causes you to look past a person's actions and behavior and to see them for the human being that God created them to be. And it's accepting them as a human being that Jesus died on the cross for. That's what we're talking about here. And then when that starts to happen, here's what naturally flows out of you. Overwhelming love. An overwhelming love. Just remember back, church. Don't you remember feeling that from Jesus when you surrendered your life to him? Don't you remember feeling that gratitude? And then that excitement of just, I want to go out the doors right now. And I just want to tell everybody about Jesus. I could care less right now of how filthy, how dirty, how screwed up you are. I just want to make sure you know. Do you know that you know Jesus? You didn't care. When that profound gratitude hit you of the grace of Jesus, it didn't matter anymore what people were doing. You just loved people and out of your life overflowed with the love of Jesus for them. Where have we drifted? What height have we fallen from when we have forgotten the gratitude of the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ towards us and we've inflicted pain on others, calling them those people? How wrong they are, and if they would just recognize how wrong they are, they would come to Jesus. When Jesus didn't even do that to people, we're offending the world away from Christ more than we are drawing them to him. Our own justification of our own moral superiority. I'm telling you, a good dose of coming back to the altar of forgiveness, the altar of repentance, would do a Christian's heart an act of purity. It would restart 
You know, sometimes my computer, it, although it's a Mac and it's perfect and it's way better than PCs, every once in a while it glitches. It's rare. It's rare, but every once in a while it glitches. And you know what it needs? It needs a reboot. I think in our, in our walk with Christ, some of us today, we need a reboot. There's a glitch going on. You're, you're caught in this glitch, and you need a reboot. Come back. Come back to the altar of forgiveness. And let profound gratitude soak into your heart one more time so that you become more loving to those God created. This is what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to make others feel this way. Because we're never going to change people by judging them. We're only going to start changing them when we start loving them first. But if there's one thing, whew, if there's one thing that the followers of Jesus that walked on earth with him knew, they confidently knew this. He loved them. I mean, listen to what the disciple John wrote about Jesus. Right? In John chapter 13, verse 1, he said these words about him. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. So what does John notice about Jesus? He says this, that Jesus, he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. If you lead with love like Jesus, you'll never, church, become those people. And by the way, Jesus commands us to lead with love. John 13, 34, Jesus said these words, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And I try to practice that in my life, especially when it comes to my title, okay? Like, here's one of the things I do to try to practice this in a really practical way, right? If people ask me, hey, Jeff, what do you do? I either try to divert the question when I'm, meeting a, when I'm meeting a stranger, I either try to divert it, right, um, which humor helps, by the way, um, but, or I'll answer it and I'll say, you know what, I am? I, I'm a life coach. And I'm not ashamed of being a pastor. It's not like I'm standing out there, I'm ashamed of following Jesus, so I'm not going to tell him I'm a pastor. No, what I want them to be is I want them to be real. I just want them to be real. I want them to be their the real self. And I want them to feel me expressing love to them with them just being their real self. And then I love it, whether it's hours later, it's days later, right, weeks later, I love it when they find out. What, you're a pastor and you didn't tell me? You know those things I said to you, those jokes I told, that strong opinion I had about that moral stance, and you didn't say anything? I mean, you are like no pastor I have ever met before. You are blowing my mind right now. I'm sorry, man, I, I don't want, I didn't mean to offend you. And I love being able to come back and just go, it's okay. You, you never offended me. You get offended when you think that the world should act like Jesus. That's when you get offended. But you don't get offended when you think the world should act like the world. You're not going to get offended, church. And then you can just love people. And then, once they know that you love them, now you can do what? Now you can lead them. That's what I want people to feel. So in your life, if you want to live a life that's less offensive, you're going to have to lead with love. There's no other ifs, ands, or buts. Right? That means you're going to have to lay down your you know, righteous rightness okay, and lead with love. You're going to have to shake off a judgmental spirit, and you're going to have to take on a spirit of compassion and of empathy 
one of grace, one of mercy. Let's just remember the old cliche statement, like people don't, what? They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And please never forget, you can be right and not be making a difference at all. But here's the good news. You can be right, lead with love, and you can leave a legacy of spiritual impact behind you. Let's put a capstone on today's message. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but did not love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, then I would have gained nothing. Here's the point today, right? That without love, without love, church, without leading with love, you're just one of those offensive people. But that when you lead with love, that's when you become more like Jesus. Who was Jesus? He was safe. He was trustworthy. And he was attractive to to, to those who needed his message the most. Let's be those people, not those people. Let's be these people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, it was all fun and games today until those people became us. And Lord, when the mirror was turned around and we had to look at ourselves, we, we may have found something that we aren't incredibly happy with right now. We, we may have found some behavior, some ideas, some thoughts, some words that have even been said that maybe have been more destructive than they have been helpful. Lord, today's message is not to make us feel guilty and shameful. Today's message, Lord, was to get our heart lined up with your heart. Lord, you don't want us to follow the right circle. You want us to follow the forgiven circle. If we follow that and we lead with love, then, Lord, we, we can walk on this earth and, and do the best that we can to be at peace with others. Lord, even your message divided. Even your message caused some people to get totally ticked off and run away and go the other direction. But it wasn't because you were intending to do that to the lost of this world. Oh, you did. You did spoke and prod at the religious who thought that they were right and they had it all figured out. And today, you've done that again for us with the hope that we would surrender and soften our heart and get on your team and be about leading this world, not to make them know and to feel that they're wrong first. That will come. But to make them know and feel that they are loved first then we can lead them in a way of righteousness and truth that comes back to who? You, not us. It's about you. You're the only one that's ever been right. So Holy Spirit, come, have your way in our hearts. Have your way in our lives. May we repent to you 
And may we cry out to you that, Lord, in these moments of response, that may your spirit transform us in the way we think, in the way we lead our lives, so that we love this world a little bit more the way you love this world. In Jesus' name, amen.